Now we turn to Louisville Business First. We will read from the issue dated June 30th, 2023. Your reader today is Julia Shane. As a reminder, Radio Eye is a reading service intended for people who are blind or who have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. Our first article is titled, Shining Some Light on Southern Indiana. News from the Hoosier State takes over this issue of LBF. Written by Shea Van Hoy. For nearly 12 years before I joined Louisville Business First in 2016, I was the editor in various capacities at the News and Tribune in Southern Indiana, the combination of what was previously the Tribune in New Albany and the Evening News in Jeffersonville. Even though I lived in Louisville for all but one of those years, my first year I resided in New Albany, I spent most of my waking hours each week in Clark and Floyd counties. Also, I'm a Hoosier native, born in the small town of Mitchell in Lawrence County, about 30 miles due south of Bloomington, home to the main campus of Indiana University. It's not just me in the LBF newsroom with a Southern Indiana connection. A couple of my coworkers live in Floyd and Harrison counties. So it's safe to say we always have an eye on our friends across the Ohio River. For the last couple of years, we've placed more of an emphasis on covering news out of Clark, Floyd, and Harrison counties primarily, but also have reported on news out of Madison, Columbus, Jasper, and elsewhere across the southern half of the Hoosier State. But with so many major developments, particularly in Clark and Floyd counties, we decided it was a great time for a takeover edition of LBF, and we're calling Southern Indiana Spotlight. On the coming pages, you'll find features bringing you the latest on developments in South Clarksville and at former Jeff Boat site in Jeffersonville. We also look at the future of Origin Park and check in on the progress of downtown infrastructure work in New Albany. I also did an interview with Charlestown Mayor Trevor Hodges for a Q&A, one of the fastest growing cities in our area. There's one big project we're saving for an upcoming feature. Check back for our July 21st to 27th edition to learn more about Nova Park Innovation and Technology Campus in Edwardsville, Indiana. We've written a bit about this too, but we'll dive deeper into this possible growth and impact in an upcoming story. In the meantime, my email is always open for news tips on either side of the river. You can reach me at svanhoy at bizjournals.com. Thanks for reading, no matter where you live, work, or play. Our next article is titled Jeffersonville, Clark County, written by Stephen Schmidt. A rarity, a shooting star of real estate development. Call it what you will. It's not every day that a property on a prominent American river across from a metropolitan area that measures a mile long, totaling approximately 80 acres, becomes available as a blank canvas for a community. That, though, is the situation of the Jeff Boat Redevelopment Project in downtown Jeffersonville. The site had been home to ship manufacturing since 1834, dating back to the start of the Howard Shipyard. What locals have come to know as Jeff Boat opened in 1938. Its owners, American Commercial Barge Line, ACBL, closed Jeff Boat, though, in 2018, due to tough economic times for the industry, according to ACBL CEO Mike Ellis. 
After a multi-year process of taking the manufacturing equipment down out of the site, the company pondered what the next step would be. ACBL and Jeff Boat have been an integral part of the Jeffersonville community for more than a century. We are excited about the redevelopment and repurposing of this site going forward, Ellis said in a statement. We believe the end result will be a transformational waterfront mixed-use space that ties into other successes the city of Jeffersonville has achieved on the waterfront and surrounding areas. Unique in so many different ways. In February of 2022, ACBL hired a New Albany, Indiana-based advisory firm, the Wheatley Group, as part of a two-year effort to determine the highest and best use of the site, in the words of George Picconi, the Senior Director of Business Development at ACBL. The two entities then interviewed more than 20 master planning firms, both national and regional in scope. A month after it made the redevelopment project known to the public in September of 2022, ACBL hired OHM Advisors, a national firm with a local presence in southern Indiana, as the master planner. It's a really wonderful opportunity, and the more that we've talked with folks and looked into it, it's just unique in so many different ways. So we're very happy to be a part of it, said John Peska a project manager with OHM Advisors, whose offices are in Jeffersonville. Picconi said that the project's leadership team is in the process of working on a final master plan, adding that they hope to be able to have a third public meeting on a to-be-determined date in August. An initial public meeting took place in January, where the team spent a large amount of time listening to the collective wishes of the citizens. One common theme was access to the water's edge and the ability to engage in water-related activities. At the most recent public meeting in April, the team submitted two concepts, one of which had an amphitheater, fountains, and an observation tower as a focal point, and the other with a marina, overlook, and observation tower as the center items. Residents of downtown Jeffersonville stressed to the team that they wanted the planning to complement the existing buildings. We wanted to make sure that we were really looking at a way to make this engaging for the local community, Peska said. We came to understand that we also needed to make sure that this was a destination along the waterfront. Wendy Dant Chesser, the president and CEO of One Southern Indiana, was quick to point out that the two concepts did not represent an A versus B situation. Chesser, a Jeffersonville native, liked that both concepts increased access to the site. With that fence or flood wall or buildings, you never got behind it. You never got to the river side of it. And so to me, it was important that they ensure there be access to trails and other roads said Chesser, who, like the others I spoke with, mentioned the importance of the property being tied into the Ohio River Greenway. New Territory Some of OHM's team members have been working with architect Paul Kissinger, known for his master plan of the riverfront crossing in downtown Owensboro, Kentucky, Peska said. Furthermore, members of OHM's team have worked on projects in Cleveland, but nothing as prominent of a body of water as the Ohio River. 
We really think that this is something that will help the local residents, Pesca said. It'll be a good thing for Louisville as well, but we also think it'll be good in the region, frankly, just because I think it's going to be very good to see a small town, homegrown version of what a new waterfront can be in this day and age. Dylan Fisher, vice president of the Wheatley Group, said that ACBL has used a market-driven approach from day one. The first phase of the project has a five to seven year development horizon. He added that the leadership team is close to beginning a developer solicitation process. National Attention Jay Ellis has served as the executive director of Main Street Jeffersonville, a nonprofit established to revitalize the city's downtown for 25 years. The organization counts approximately 150 businesses as partners in its efforts. He said the Jeff Boat redevelopment could be a project of national importance, given how rare it is for riverfront property to open up right next to a downtown area. Among his wish list for the property is plentiful amounts of green space with walking paths, biking paths, shade trees, and direct river access. And don't forget lots of new residences. The residential thought is that there would be many more people living in our downtown area who can support the existing small businesses, said Ellis, who added the site is a stone's throw from the city's downtown business district. Jeffersonville Mayor Mike Moore mentioned to me a few things on his own personal wish list for the space. Those included waterfront restaurants connected by a beautiful boardwalk meandering around the edge of the river. He also wants to see, as one of the concepts in April had, a new amphitheater. I think the days of our river stage are probably coming to a close here in the next couple of years, Moore said of the city's current floating stage on the Ohio River. Moore said he thinks when all is said and done, the development could be worth more than a billion dollars, adding that he has seen a billion dollar project take place on half that size with half of the amenities. The revenue stream that will come to that will feed into our streets, our police, our schools, all of our infrastructure or parks is going to be something that puts Jeffersonville at the top of everybody's list when they're looking for a place to locate, he said. Someday soon, the people of Louisville are going to look across the river and say, look at our view, look at what we get to see, look at the skyline. Those days are coming. The next article is titled Clarksville. Clark County, written by Amanda Beam. A traditional downtown has eluded Clarksville, Indiana for almost a century. Unlike the river adjacent areas of Jeffersonville and New Albany, the town mostly migrated away from the Ohio River after the flood of 1937. Delineated by retail, the center shifted through the decades. First Eastern Boulevard, then Old Indiana 131, now named Lewis and Clark Parkway, and most recently, Veterans Parkway. But that's about to change. Having created a redevelopment plan that utilizes the South Clarksville mixed-use zone, the town has reclaimed a downtown right near the river where it once existed. Town officials continue to transform this roughly 50 industrialized acres in front of the old Colgate-Palmolive plant into an area of livability. Private investment and partnership from firms such as Cornerstone Group, 
Denton Floyd Real Estate Group, and Hogan Real Estate contribute to the rebranding and renaissance of Clarksville by developing commercial, retail, and residential projects all on the individual sites. This is building a type of community experience for the next generation where you can live, work, and play within the same block, said Clarksville Town Council member and former Clarksville Redevelopment Commission Chair Aaron A.D. Stonecipher. It's an efficient style of living where you truly shop from your neighbors, he said. You do business with your neighbors. You can hop on the Ohio River Greenway, bike to Origin Park or kayak off Silver Creek and be home in minutes. Tear down these flood walls. To create a generation-defining redesign, sometimes you need to tear down things. Such was the fate of the old flood wall at the intersection of Riverside Drive and Main Street. Mack Construction led the demolition of the structure earlier this month. The process was delayed due to specific timing windows and emergency closing plans mandated by the Army Corps of Engineers that minimized flooding risk, according to a Town of Clarksville press release. The $5.5 million project will widen the wall and expand river views of Main Street, as well as add fresh sidewalks, bike lanes, stormwater upgrades, and a decorative flood wall topping steel design. This is a process, if you will, of the town of Clarksville looking at what it had, but also trying to understand what it was missing, said Wendy Dant Chesser, president and CEO of One Southern Indiana. Clarksville is really missing that feel of a downtown, so they're creating it. A little over a year ago, in May of 2022, Clarksville began rehabilitation of a central street that will further economic growth and development. Once called Werner Avenue, Main Street was born. This widening of the flood wall will connect Main Street to Riverside Drive and all its amenities. Surrounding streets will soon receive a facelift, creating a modern street grid ready for transportation and recreation and ensuring walkability and pedestrian safety. But you need to do more than just renovate streets to attract residents and businesses. Since 2016, the Clarksville Redevelopment Commission and the town have prioritized growth in the area through investing in land acquisition. Most recently, the entity purchased the Ashland Park property for $350,000 from Marathon Oil Corporation. Although Marathon previously leased the land to Clarksville for just a dollar each year, owning the property introduces new opportunities for park expansion. Clarksville Town Manager Kevin Beatty said grants have been submitted to fund an all-inclusive playground for the recreational area, but that's just the first step in its transformation. Former mooring cells will be repurposed for catwalks, allowing visitors a closer experience with the Ohio River, just one component in making it an entertainment destination. Aiding in this are new developments with Clarksville providing incentives to build in the forms of 6040 developer purchase TIF bonds and tax abatements. It's creating a walkable, bikeable area that residents of all ages can live, Beatty said. We're not catering to one age group. We're not catering to one type of business. 
This area should be able to be self-sufficient, and if you live here, you can get and hopefully obtain all the services you need here. Various Influences Behind the Development in the Area Corey Hohen isn't a stranger to the South Clarksville area. Since the 1970s, his family and their businesses have been as much of an influence in the area as the Ohio River itself. It's no surprise then that the Cornerstone Group, the firm in which Hohen is the co-president, kicked off the first mixed-use development on Main Street. The $22 million Bolt Plus Tie opened in May of 2021 and boasts 96 luxury apartment units and more than 80 office suites. With the soon-to-open 1020 Craft Brewing, the development will be 100% occupied. The zoning that they've implemented here is really forward-thinking, and it allows for developers to have a lot of flexibility in how they build buildings and in the kind of users that they attract. And creating all of those different uses together really creates this energy and this vibrancy, Hohen said. It's something you don't find in a business park or in a subdivision. It's just this urbanism. Stonecipher noted that Clarksville was an almost 40% investor in Bolt Plus Tie. But, he added, it's important for taxpayers to understand, too, that with each project, the Redevelopment Commission has to provide less gap funding for something to get off the ground on a vacant piece of land. That first project is always the toughest. Across the street from Bolt Plus Tide, Denton Floyd continues to build the first of four slated South Clarksville developments. With an estimated completion date of the fall of 2023, current 812 will include 200 apartments and townhomes, 9,300 square feet of retail space, and a two-story restaurant overlooking the Ohio River. With a combined $130 million cost, two additional multi-use properties by Denton Floyd have been added. The luxury apartments in this area will be joined by 26,000 square feet of retail space. The complexes will have public-use pocket parks to add to the district's green space. Scheduled to initially break ground in December of 2024, Site-1 is projected to be completed by December of 2025, with Site-2's construction beginning in September of 2026 and ending in August of 2028. I can tell you that South Clarksville's downtown area is attractive to developers for a number of reasons, Denton Floyd co-founder and partner Brandon Denton said in an email. The area has a rich history and unique waterfront charm that makes it appealing for businesses and residents alike. The connectivity that the new bridge provides to Louisville, the incredible Ohio River views, the initiative of the upcoming world-class Origin Park, and the close vicinity to Interstate 65 are all elements that make South Clarksville ripe for development. Additionally, the town government of Clarksville's pro-development mindset has been instrumental in reducing challenges that have helped to spur activity in the area. Initiatives such as public-private partnerships have encouraged developers like Denton Floyd to invest greatly in the community. A $95.8 million development also is being considered in the area that would include a 100,000-square-foot conference center 
and a 198-room hotel. But that plan may change depending on the site selected by Southern Indiana Tourism. Down to three potential construction locations, including two in Clarksville, a site should be decided upon as early as next month. A 2022 feasibility study contracted by Southern Indiana Tourism demonstrated the need for increased conference space in Southern Indiana and calculated the project could eventually bring $24 million of total spending annually to the area, in addition to $1.6 million of increased tax revenue. This is a segment of the visitor market that we're not able to tap into currently, said Jim Epperson, Executive Director of Southern Indiana Tourism. And while it might not have the last train to Clarksville, the town is exploring the inclusion of an Amtrak station if the passenger railway expands from Chicago through Louisville to Nashville. This could be incorporated into a proposed conference center, creating another corridor for visitors to explore the revitalization. We've really started to get a sense that downtown Clarksville is going to be something special, Epperson said. The next article is titled, New Salon Expands After Being Born Out of Bolt Anti-Incubator, written by Amanda Beam. Be Your Own is not just a slogan imprinted on the back of the t-shirts at Adam Paul Salon in Clarksville, but a value they hold dear in their work environment at Water Tower Square. All are safe and celebrated here, regardless of gender or sexuality. The act of being seen, owner Adam Christian said, remains important to him when connecting with clients. I've had trans people come with a buddy because they didn't want to be out in the wild by themselves, and that was really hard for me to hear, Christian said. If there's going to be change, I want to be a part of it. Christian started Adam Paul Salon in one of Bolt Plus Ty's micro-commercial suites, an entrepreneurial incubator for business startups. The layout of Bolt Plus Ty, as well as the proximity to the interstate and other amenities, allowed him a place to grow both clientele and connections. It was such a sense of community. It was so beautiful to be a part of, Christian said. Within six months of moving in, Christian's business tripled, and he realized he needed more room and more staff. The Clarksville resident decided to partner with his husband, Jason Daly, owner of Daly Wellness and Massage, and move into a larger space, which opened in February. Christian also bears witness to Southern Clarksville's revitalization, a reawakening he observed years ago when he worked at a salon in New Albany. But the new development in Clarksville seems different, Christian said. This feels more important, Christian added. Knowing what's coming, even though we can't predict what crowd that's going to draw, we know that it's going to be our people. And so we love being a part of something that's bigger than us. And so that's what has kept us here. The next article is titled River Ridge's Economic Impact Tops $2.7 Billion, written by Haley Cawthon. River Ridge Development Authority expanded its employment footprint, business operations, and site development last year, according to recent reports. The business park, located in Jeffersonville and Charlestown, Indiana, invested $27.5 million in local infrastructure and had more than $2.7 billion in economic impact 
throughout southern Indiana in 2022, per a recent report from Policy Analytics, LLC. That's up from $15 million in infrastructure improvements and a $2.6 billion economic impact the year prior. 2022 was a success story, said River Ridge Executive Director Jerry Acey in a news release. The River Ridge Commerce Center proved to be a committed community partner through our continued economic growth and ongoing investment in infrastructure improvement projects. We've accomplished a lot, but the work continues, and we look forward to continuing to build on that momentum in 2023 and beyond. Last year, River Ridge Commerce Center directly employed 11,877 people. That's an increase of 15% in the past year, thanks to new companies coming online. In addition, RRCC supported more than 6,300 regional jobs. RRCC contributed $27.5 million to plans and projects in 2022, according to the new report. Most notably, the Commerce Center awarded construction contracts for nearly $10 million to construct Penny Martin Lane, named after the first African-American woman to serve as a union representative at the former Indiana Ammunition Plant. Penny Martin Lane will improve roadway connections to the city of Charlestown. RRCC also invested $24 million in pledged support to expand the Jeffersonville North and Charlestown wastewater treatment plants. We're making it easy for companies of all sizes to call Southern Indiana home, AC added. I've known our future is bright and the proof is in the pudding. Year after year, I'm excited to join forces with top-notch advanced manufacturing, distribution, and industrial organizations from near and far to strengthen our communities, the region, the state of Indiana, and our nation. River Ridge already plans to bring on more than 2 million square feet of business space in 2023, including Van Trust Real Estate's Gateway 1000 project which totals more than 1 million square feet. In its third project with RRCC, VanTrust joins Amazon and Medline as the three largest buildings on site. In 2022, River Ridge generated $43.6 million in tax revenue for the state and local entities. That number is growing, the release said, as is the impact RRCC has on the surrounding communities. The next article is titled Making the Gear Behind Jet Tech, written by Stephen Schmidt. The next time you log into the Wi-Fi network on a commercial jet, there's a good chance that a Southern Indiana company played a role in that connection. That's because one of the biggest manufacturers of Wi-Fi stands, which allow workers access to the crown of the plane to perform routine maintenance on network equipment, is based out of Elizabeth, Indiana. We keep thinking that, well, the sales of this stand are about done, but every other day it seems like we're getting another call from somebody else that's interested in the product, said Coy Strepo, General Manager at Simpson Aerospace Services. Simpson Aerospace Services is an offshoot of the Simpson Alloy Services. It should be noted that both businesses run under the DBA of SAS Incorporated. The company makes several aircraft maintenance stands that are used in hangars in major airports in the United States and beyond. 
The company had a 30% increase in sales for maintenance stands last year and has already surpassed last year's total sales. It expects to have a 40% increase in sales this year. This concludes excerpts from Louisville Business First. Your reader has been Julia Shane. Now, please stay tuned for Kentucky Series on Radio Eye.